Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. This is Matt Selleck. I'm Dave Fanning. And I'm Matt Croger. G'day, champs, and welcome to another episode of Direct Charge. Nah, Direct uh, Charge. Yeah, yeah. You might be getting like confused. It. You know, we have, we have Australia's best podcaster in Matt Selleck joining us today. Um, sorry, Hugh and Benson. You know, back in your boxes. I'm, I'm, I'm just reading off the run sheet, to be, if I'm honest, of what Matt's provided me about his introduction. Uh, and today we're going to have a chat about uh, Clash of Kings Australia, but also a little bit of a rundown on the on the just recently held Australian Masters. For those that you didn't know, I'm not going to do a lot about it, but I thought while we had the opportunity of having Matt on because he was there live streaming with Hugh. Uh, if you didn't see that, you should uh, check out their YouTube channel. Uh, which is just under di- direct misfire, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, you're a bum. Okay, uh, I'm, so I'm definitely a subscriber. Are you a subscriber, Dave? I am now. You are now. You only yeah. did it. Yeah. You only did it the other week, actually. Yeah, yeah it was something. Right. It was very, very short time ago. Yes. Hmm. Well, problem for me with YouTube is every time I go into it, it seems to log in with a different account. So. <laughs> You know, from the counter charge to my personal one to something at home. So I have to subscribe for everything on everything. But uh, Matt does Kings of Wars best images, that is for sure. You know, so if you haven't checked out their uh, their content on YouTube, you should. Before we get into it, I mean, I think, Dave, you've been on before. Everyone knows you, Matt. So why don't we do a little bit of a hobby catch-up, actually? What have we been working on, Matt? Dave, do you want to kick in? Yeah, I'm I'm finishing off the last of the. I'm running with Croge's crushes for for the short time, but I may change the army name up until then. I've got 15 minis left to paint before I'm ready for Clash of Kings Australia. So I'm I'm busily working through them, and then I'll see what else I get left with to finish off my halfling um, army challenge for the Mantic challenge. So I've got I can maybe try and squeeze another war machine out this year and. Maybe I'll try some more aeronauts before the end of the year, but I don't know if I've got the strength to build them. In me well, it's not the painting of them, right? It's the building of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where are you going to squeeze the war machine out of? Uh, probably the painting desk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And so what are your last 15 that you've got to paint? I've got 15 rifles to go. So they're okay. staring at me um, right now. You got a, Oh, that's right, because you've you got a regiment in your list, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, and you're pretty pretty set on your list. Yeah, I only I made one change just recently. I've gone to ramp uh, Slayer D3 on my little mounted sergeant, so I'm going to try and make that work for me. Yeah, we might talk about that later too. Actually, yeah, but that sounds like you know someone gave you good advice there. Yeah, <laughs> someone. Yeah, Nick, Nick Legrand was like, "You got to do this, Dave." <laughs> yeah. What about you, Matt? Had any time for hobby? I know you've been busy. No, I've been travelling around, so. Um, all around the world at the moment, so I haven't done that much hobby. Uh, the one sort of bit I have been is planning for the the next sort of army, which is going to be the dwarfs. Um, ooh. ooh, just jumping into your sort of backyard yeah. there, Matt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just doing the basing for that. So it's going to be all based and themed around a. Well, somebody's probably going to steal the idea now, <laughs> but uh, it's all going to be like based in a bar. So uh, all so wood good. floors yeah. are going to do some, um, yeah, like stone brick walls and things like that and all base it all together so it should look pretty cool awesome if you steal that idea though i will call you out (laughs) any forum i got got enough drawers built but yeah anyone else (laughs) we'll 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 go the australian way and we'll just murder you (laughs) (laughs) um any flavor of dwarves in particular Nah, just OG. I'm a vanilla guy, so yeah. um, literally my wife picks on me constantly and I have to justify it whenever I'm going to get ice cream. She's always getting like <laughs> pistachio and all this other shit and I'm like, just vanilla, thanks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, okay. You have been travelling around a bit recently. I actually forgot you had a job. You, you seem to be so little in the country. That's true. Yeah. Yep, still, yeah. still employed. Yeah. Um, but over COVID, just had a giant amount of unspent leave 
So, uh, yeah, I got the tap on the shoulder to take some leave and, uh, yeah, popped over to Fiji and I've been around fair bits of Australia and then popped over to the US for a little bit. Mm. So that was good. And you met up with a little bit of King's Royalty, did you, while you were in Texas? I didn't, actually. That was probably my one big regret. I underestimated uh, the amount of time that I was going to be at the film festival. Okay. Um, so it was like 9 in the morning till 3 in the morning every single day. So, um, yeah, it was pretty hectic. Yeah, well, life of the famous is hard, isn't it? Yeah, It's, um, it's in, very true. Yeah, you and I know that, but not Dave. So, yeah. Someday, yeah. No, You'll get there one day, mate. Keep coming I mean, on the show enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got no no good comeback for that, so that's a shame. And I know, Matt, you are you would like you, you've got designs on owning a bar one day, don't you? So will you do similar do. theming for your bar as you do for your basing? Is this no, is this actually not. all design work for, for yeah. your career? It's all to scale. Uh, <laughs> I only want short people. <laughs> You're going to have a half sized door so only short people can enter the bar. That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> no, I, should, I do have aspirations for a nice wine bar in in Melbourne at some point. So. Just waiting on this job to uh, sort of wind up, and then, yeah, that's it. I'd say maybe, uh, maybe not too much far in the future. Well, we'll see. See, never know. Actually, it's probably you know over the next year or two with rising interest rates, it's probably a good time to find property. There'll probably be something going <laughs> as, as a steal. Mm. Is this just? A, am I the only one who's picking up the long play here for like another venue for us to have an event in Melbourne? Selick's like, well, I've got this wine bar that everyone can play at. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly well, six by four tables. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all it's all communal drinking and eating, um, funnily enough, you know, with with stools at the mall. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, so, Matt, you, uh, you went to the recent Masters because it was held not, not far from you. Well, oh, by saying went, didn't qualify. You, you rocked up with the camera. Yeah, yeah. should have qualified. It would have been easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you that didn't check it out, there was a pre-Masters cast from a direct misfire, so you should have a listen to that, where they went through all the lists. So we certainly don't need to recount any lists. What what was the what was the day like overall, and how did you find streaming? And what were your learnings? Yeah, sure. So, like, I mean, we'll start off with the learnings. It was a hell of a lot of stress um, first up because I wasn't sure about all the cameras. So uh, my wife is in the film industry and she's got access to some amazing cameras. Unfortunately, uh, with my track record, she was not trusting me with any of those ones. Uh, so she's handballed me one of her old cameras, which is more of a stills photography camera that does a little bit of uh, video. The quality is historically good. Um, however, there was a lot of extra stuff that I needed to do, like putting in permanent batteries and all this other stuff. Uh, anyway, we sort of set it up the day before, did a, a bit of a run test there, and it was good. Fortunes was a tournament that was on the Saturday. So I sort of set it all up there while everyone else was playing games and got it going pretty good. But the venue itself doesn't close for until quite late, and it's in a not the best area of Melbourne, Um from a crime rate perspective. So there was not a hope in hell that I was leaving cameras and laptops and all these other things there. So I left all the rigging in the frame and then went home for the night and then came back in the morning. The tournament was to start at 8.30am, as in the meet and greets at that stage. So I thought I would have at, la- at least about 30 to 40 minutes to set up and like get everything back in focus and set up all the audio. However, when we arrived at the venue, um, it was still closed so everyone was just gathering out the front and I've literally got like computer screens, laptops, um, cameras dangling everywhere. Um, and that didn't open until I think about three minutes to nine. Yeah, literally as soon as the doors opened, they were still having the, the chats outside about like um, sportsmanship and stuff. Uh, and Hugh and I ran upstairs to quickly chuck on the camera and all this other thing. So that was just a stressful sort of start. After that, we realized that there was a bandwidth issue, so we had to like start adjusting things on the fly because we had like a two-minute or three-minute delay from what we were talking about to what and what we were seeing uh, to what was actually going in there. So there was all this sort of stuff that you would pick up if you had planned it um, and been able to test it uh, a bit more thoroughly. But, yeah, so that 
the initial side of things was good. I thought the last two rounds were probably our best. So we'd sort of figured out how to make the stream run a little bit smoother. We'd figured out all the buttons on my stream decks and things that could actually work. And yeah, it was good. Apart from it was 6,000 degrees and my camera started overheating. Um, I did started overheating. A little button. <laughs> did everyone see the little light that kept on coming up on the stream? It was like, yeah, yeah, the, the red temperature icon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was popping on and off, and towards the end of the day, I was I was loving it because I had um I had that on my computer screen, God of War Ragnarok on my TV, and I had the cricket on my phone. So I just had three screens going, watching everything, and then I'd see this little temperature icon come <laughs> up on yours, and we're like, all right. And my wife would go, "Where are they gone?" I'd be like, "Learn the camera cool down again." <laughs> so there's no aircon in the venue. There is aircon, however, it's. A- Think of it just as like a giant shed and then they've built two layers inside it. So literally the roof that was about two feet above the camera is just a tin roof. And then they kept on turning the fan off because we had one of those industrial fans pointed at it. And so they kept on unplugging it, the venue, and I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, I mean, we got it all done. I thought the quality was really good. Like when you when the camera wasn't overheating, I, I thought you did a great job, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Like tons of learnings and I think the the biggest thing was that we've got all the, the stuff now. Um, so like we were discussing it on the way home just about like the next things that we can start to do around um, like battle reports and things like that. So what software yeah, should be good. You use to stream? So that was Streamlabs. Yeah. I think it was OBS Streamlabs. Oh, yeah, OBS, um, yeah. 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 Because oh, I think Benson's used that in the past, hasn't he? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So he'll be able to use all of these. So he's hoping to do some painting tutorials and things at some point. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and I thought like all the, um, you know, the frames and things that you had going up all looked really good in classic Selic style, looked very professional. It's the only thing that I could do beforehand, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, did you get a uh, a chance to catch any? I I got about... Half an hour around twelve o'clock, so that would have been the end of game two, I think. Yeah, uh, but I've got on my list to actually try and watch the last game because I've heard a few people talking about how it went down to the wire and sort of flipped around. It's actually a really entertaining game to to watch from a stream point of view. So, yeah, yeah, it was that was a weird one that game. We literally stepped away to go check out the top tables because we didn't have the top table on the last round. Um, weirdly. Uh, so when we went to pop around and check out all the other results, we thought the game on our table was done. We actually called it on on the uh, cast. And, uh, yeah, minutes later we come back and we're like, what the hell? He's taken off like three units here. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Strange. I mean, that's the thing about dice games, right? You can just have a turn where you either get lucky or get good and the whole game changes again. Yeah. To be fair with Stephen, though, he did roll snake eyes, I think, three or four times that turn. That, that game, so. So there was 10 people at Masters. Did you catch eight different people on the stream? I don't think so because I think we had Tracy there twice, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the only, you know, slight down. I mean, I know you had no control, Selic, but, you know, it would have been nice for the um, for the organisers to make sure that the particularly last round that Top Table got streamed, mm. I think. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. I'm sure there was some sort of method behind the badness, uh, but I know from Hugh and I, my perspective, we really wanted to have that that live stream of the final table, but Mm. not to be. Not to be. Yeah, so for those that didn't know, so it's a, well, I guess it's theoretically a two-game event, but the the first day is called Fortunes of War, run by Ken Ferris as his Masters, um, although this is his final year running it. And Fortunes is a completely... What's the word I'm looking for? I was going to say hobby-based, but... Um, uh, it's narrative-based. Narrative. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you, Matt. Uh, a narrative event based on good versus evil and, and neutrals, basically, pick a side versus thing. And each subsequent uh, round depends on what's happened in the round before. And and Ken creates a, a narrative to go with what's happened. He creates all the options, um, uses people, gets everyone to have a named general and uses those names in them. I think when I played in a couple of years ago, my general was Richard Windmill, um, and he, he, he works all that in. He does a really great job. I think it's a great event. I hope it's something that he continues in the future as a potentially even bigger and better as a standalone event. Because most, the, I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone 
not enjoy that event. Yeah, well, everyone had an absolute blast um, on the Saturday, so it was a little bit cooler uh, that day, so everyone was a bit more relaxed as well compared to what actually happens at the top end of the, the pointy stick there in Masters. But, uh, yeah, everyone was having fun, and he had them reading out some of the scripts and things that he had written, um, so they were getting into the theme of things. Naturally, Benson put on some voices as well, so uh, that <laughs> was always right, entertaining. Did he dress yeah, up? Nah, it's, uh, he didn't dress up. Nah, disappointing. He was a bit, bit nervous about Masters, actually. He stayed at my house the night before. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, got him on some uh, got him on some drinks to calm yeah. him down. Didn't make you give him relaxation massages or anything? Just before bed? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, and then so uh, the second day, that being the Sunday, was uh, Masters itself was four days at 1995 points. Am I correct? Four games, yep. Yeah, four Not games, days. 1995 yep. points. On That's the day, right. dropped from 55 points a game to 50 points per game because of minutes. Minutes? Jeez, what's going on over there? Where are they? Points. Oh, points, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the first game, I think it was – because you have an army swap in game one, uh, historically it's been 55 minutes. So they give you a five-minute buffer because it's not your army to play with. Um, however, because there were some flights, I think, that were booked a little bit dodgy um, on on the return leg back to Queensland and New South Wales, so they were a bit rushed, I think. So what they ended up doing was just reducing that first game from 55 back to 50. Um, which is, yeah, it sort of favoured some army types, I think. Mm, yeah, interesting. And then, uh, yeah, and so then they played the four games out and uh, we got an, another new winner in, in Ken. Uh, we might get a chance mm. to get him on the on the cast sometime. Like I said, we were just taking an opportunity with this, um, with his abyssal list. So if you go back and, again, listen to Direct Misfires, you'll be able to hear back his list. But he had a reasonably shooting-heavy abyssal list, which... Actually, I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't think it would be capable of taking the chocolates because I thought, um, you know, fireball the old way with piercing one mm. or particularly the afrites maybe would have been a bit better, but I, I didn't think he had quite enough kind of piercing shooting potentially to, to get it done, but he did. Yeah, I just heard you guys rubbish the afrit in the Abyssal Army review and then he's used it in a winning list. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Have, has uh, Direct Misfire done one of those casts yet? I'm not sure. We'll have to have a look. Those guys know what's now, now you can go. Now you can go back and redo the abyssals and say, <laughs> "Oh, the yeah. freeze, they're the best." Yes. Yeah, yeah. take ten. Should be one in every competitive list. <laughs> no, two at least two. Yeah. So it was a very similar list to what he took to Convict, actually, Ken. Um, that that had mixed results across that. Um. But, yeah, I think it just matched up quite well against the rest of the field. Um, but there was a lot of defence for um, across the entire field. There's only one or two armies that had defence five, but they were very low drops. Um, so I think what he was able to do is shoot off all the defence fours and then really focus fire on the defence five to actually get him across the line and mix with some good nerve rolls. That's all it's going to take. And obviously it worked. Takes, takes home the bickies. Well, and, and interestingly, in, in the game before, Tracy, the ultimate gentleman, Sensei Tracy, um, it looked like on the stream that he basically did himself out of a win and then playing on the top table last round that uh, that Matt had clocked out, but Tracy allowed him a couple of moves that allowed him to pick up a token for the win, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably the most controversial bit. We love a bit of controversy over in Australia, mm. don't we? A bit of drama. Don't we? Um, yeah, that's it. Trying to get neighbours back on our TVs, aren't we? Yeah, lucky we've got good gun laws, I'll tell you what. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's it's exactly as it was on the stream. So, effectively, what had happened is uh, Matt Curtis, he's a a great player, um, a really good general um, with the miniatures and obviously the dice rolling and decision-making. Just can't take anything away from that. Um, I think he had played six tournaments uh, across the year to qualify for Masters. He had won five of them and finished third in the remaining ones. So take read into that as you will. Um, but in this game, he uh, ran at a time. He clocked out and finished a move with one of the units um, in the, I think it was the sixth turn. And, uh, yeah, so still moved it after the clock. Uh, 
under like in front of Tracy wasn't trying to be deceptive or anything but then did ask Tracy do you mind if I have one second on the clock in turn seven and Tracy said yes uh, but effectively what that meant was in turn seven he moved on to the objective the last objective uh, which I think was a two-point objective and it took it from a loss to a draw uh, so it was a it was a massive sort of thing after the clock um, I'm not sure there would have been too many people in Australia in that Masters group that would have allowed that given the pre-tournament chat. Mm-hmm. Having said that, you know, that is pretty consistent for Tracy. You know, he's, um, you know, I've, I've never heard him say a bad word about anyone or, you know, he's just content to content to play that way. And so I guess in the end that's, that's his choice. But mm. if that had been a win... Ken has a horrendous record against Tracy. Yeah. Yeah, not only that, um, he would have been so far up in the game, right? So, Mm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. true. He was only, he only finished like six points behind before paint, wasn't it? Well, I guess then the next thing is, is then, so we come into the last round. Ken has a small win on the, on the, oh, actually, I think the smallest win possible in Blackjack. I think it was a 14 7. Tracy has a big win drags it back to being tied for first and it was um and it was hobby scores that decided and and tracy and one other i can't remember being the only two to not get 20 points because uh well not necessarily because but it was set up that your opponent was raiding your army yeah so tracy um tracy slid down to third overall um yeah, with Ken coming first and Matt coming second. So interestingly that in the Masters we ended up having a hobby score being the deciding factor. Yeah, and I, that's probably the, the second most controversial part of this Masters was probably how that sort of came out. Um, so originally it was meant to be a peer-based, not a peer-based, an independent assessor that was going to come in and do the, the ratings based on this rubric. I don't think somebody sort of came. So the decision was on the day as we were waiting at the front, Ken looked over to me and he said, oh, do you want to do the scoring again? And I said no because I did it the day before and there was a fair bit of feedback um, (laughs) that was, how can I put this politely? Um, People weren't very happy with the scores they gave me based on. Angst. There was some angst. Yeah, and I said, it's all right today, but I wouldn't want this happening tomorrow. And I was like, right, O-Champ, calm down. Spoken like a true manager. Maybe you should have just painted your miniatures better. Um, (laughs) But no, no, to be fair, that was probably the rubric needed a little bit more time more so than the painting and the hobby. Yeah, I think the rubric, as soon as you didn't have a conversion, so as soon as you didn't have one, you dropped six points because you, that was one of them was like, do you have a conversion? Was the conversion complex? And then one of the the final ones was, um, did you, get yeses for all the other parts of the rubric. So, um, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of conversions, that's for sure, of, of being part of rubrics. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe in like, maybe in an event that is meant to be an absolutely hobby event. But I think if you're looking, if, if your goal for an event is to have everything painted and looking good, I don't know if things like conversions belong Mm. Mm. But I, I think 3D printing's killed the need for that, though. Like, if you go, like, why are you converting something? Because you want a different looking model. But in, when there's that many 3D printing options out there, you can just go ahead and print something. So, like, Luke Schaefer was an, an interesting one as well because he's had a, a, a complete um, 3D printed army. So when it actually came to conversions, it was, did you convert the 3D file? Um, and he said, yeah, on these these two here. Um, that I'd converted them from A to B, and that was the way that he got the points from me on that day one. Um, but there was a few people that just literally had beautiful painted armies but didn't have conversions, and they were open about it, I asked. Um, so, yeah, they ended up dropping like six points, even though they had some of the better painted armies. So I guess that was that was probably the controversy bit on the how it happened. But I guess the... The final score on the final round, your opponent's looking at you. Some people that know that they're not going to win it, they're not even at the top of the list, and there was sort of this unwritten agreement for some people that they would just give each other 20s, which I wouldn't mind as long as everyone was a part of that conversation. So some people went through the rubric properly and did it as in 
to the letter of the rubric. And then others just went, oh, yeah, I'll just give you 20 if you give me 20 sort of thing. Um, so it sort of did skew how how the final results sort of came through, which is it probably didn't affect the top too much, I wouldn't say. But, um, yeah, interesting way to finish it. Mm. And, again, just like you said about Matt, nothing take like Ken's a previous Clash of Kings winner, I think. He won once. Yeah, like he's one of he's he's always there. You know, he's been at every Masters, so um, you know he's a he's a very good player. That's for sure. Yeah, he is for sure. Yeah, you know what it probably does say as well. If he's been running that list since well, at least August from Convict, that he's got the reps in as well. So it probably shows more that it is the general in the list when it comes to at least abyssals for him. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it explains how you play too, Dave. So far out. <laughs> Hey, you got all the reps and still no wins. <laughs> you say that, but only one of us has a shirt that That's says Croger is my bunny. Yeah, and that is true. That is true. Uh, it still disappoints me that the you know your 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 one of two wins is was on the tabletop. So. Uh, so that that like, does our kind of quick masters wrap up. So uh, th- thanks for that, Matt. And yeah, I encourage people to check it out if they want to see a bit of gameplay. And I'm sure we'll see. Um, I mean, you guys put out some great content on YouTube, so I'll see. I'm hoping to see even more soon, particularly in the form of bat reps. And then I'll just take whatever you do and copy it, hopefully, and do a worse version. And then so then on to, to Clash of Kings Australia, which is rolling up in January. So timed to be at the same time as as CanCon, but not on site at CanCon, which this year is twenty uh, first and twenty second of Jan, and the twenty third for the con, but just twenty one, twenty two for the tournament, uh, and CanCon being Australia's biggest uh, tabletop wargaming event, uh, where you get thousands of people attend. You know, every year there's well since the pandemic and us going off site, there's been you know there's been arguments for and against having the separate venue a couple of minutes away from CanCon. How do you guys vibe not being on site? Uh, two two words for this, and I'm going to jump in first, Dave. Sorry, mate. Toilets and air conditioning. That's all you need to know. Um, the, the fact is that uh, when thousands of nerds all go to Can... Yeah, Convict. Convict? Convict? Where it is. Canberra? CanCon. That's fine. Let's just call uh, it CanCon. <laughs> the the toilets become a, an absolute disgrace by the end of it um and it was one of the best things about um like cancon being in this new venue is like clean facilities um there's been um a good good sort of food and plenty of space in, in an aircon environment which is pretty important for canberra yeah i guess i'll just rehash everything Selick said but better but you're right um aircon aircon is the number one for me I've played in the other venue. I've played in two halls in the other venue and just if you're stuck in that room with that aircon, one, it's hard work thinking, and two, it absolutely stinks. Yeah. Well, I think that's just the difference between 60 bodies versus 1,000 too, right? So because um, the funny thing is, is the aircon at the new venue is not even great. Like it's mostly just fans that they bring in, but it's super high roof, not as crowded and there's actually some insulation in the roof rather than just being in a tin shed. <laughs> and I think having the cafe right near it as well is a, is a win because, one, the lines for that aren't massive so you can catch up. And, and I, I feel like I talked to more people last year than I did in my other previous years, even though I was playing different systems then. And I don't really miss the traders because, like, I, I, I buy what I need online from those vendors. I just buy it online, they ship it and... I get it that way as well. I, I, I wasn't. There's never been much for me at the second end stall, like the the bring and buy. Mm. I've never really gotten much out of that. I think everyone the, the days of getting a bargain out of that, I think, are finished. Yeah, I've, I'm exactly the same there, Dave. So I've been there for many, many years. Back into the Warhammer Fantasy days, eight eight years or so. Um, I've never purchased anything apart from dice. I think after I cracked it one year, just like yeah. new dice. And I think the days of like getting a screaming deal and not even just at the bring and buy, but on anything are kind of over. I've never found that the like there's anything particularly special about what's offered at the at the trade stalls. I, there, there has been an argument for some that uh, having it on site does get more visible um, eyeballs on the game, which I yep. you know I don't 
I don't disagree with. Um, but we did it for how many years did I do it on site? At least four, I think. And I reckon we've picked up less than five people over that time, to my knowledge, um, playing yeah. and seeing it at CanCon. I, I, in logic, like in, in theory, sorry, it's true, right? Like, I mean, you don't have the exposure to all these people that are playing similar game sets, um, particularly like the AOS where you could port across some of the models. But uh, I don't think in practice... Uh, you don't get time to just walk around other tables. Um, and particularly what Dave said, that game of funk, you don't want to walk around either. Um, so, like, I mean, that, that's a detractor. Um, but realistically, it comes back to whatever their gaming circles are. They're not going to remove themselves from gaming circles that all play AOS to come over and play Kings of War. So I think it really does come back to those individuals um, if they're a little bit Kings of War curious. Um, that they've got to convince the rest of their gaming circles to to change games. And I guess even when that, it's the scheduling too, right? Because I, you know, we would stay in an apartment with about, I don't know, eight or ten of us and we'd go off and we'd all play our different systems and, you know, your game would be finished, you go and catch up and then someone's right in the middle of their game. They're not up for a chat, you know. They're sitting there focusing on what they're doing. So you might get to watch some games happen, but there's no, you know, conversation or, you know, how's your day going, what's up, you know? You want to go get a, check out the shop or whatever it is. It's not some of that, you know. So it's very still an individual day for yourself. And so it's going to be same as last year, which is six games, two thousand points. You know, we used to play seven games with four and three, but based on a bit of feedback, we had too many people close to expiring by the end of day one. So we brought we brought it down. Benson being one of them frequently. Um, so we brought it down to the to the three and three. How do you guys find the the six games across two days? I love the the six game format. Just gives you some extra time, particularly for the people that have travelled up, so driven up from say Melbourne like myself. Um, that's a good eight eight hour drive or so, seven hour drive. Um, so it takes it out of you the drive and then back that up with another three games the next day is fine. But four games, you were literally on edge. You just go home and crash. And I, I like the social aspect of the game a fair bit. I think when it gives you that. Less pressure for time throughout the day. You can actually, you know, catch up between games. And like you said, if you if we're done by when when are we due to finish the game three on Saturday, like five o'clock or something? Well, and that's and that's with like a two hour break to allow people to go to CanCon, I think. So, yeah, just after five. Yeah. Yeah, everyone can then catch up, have a drink, go get dinner or whatever, and then you know they're not doing that at eight o'clock at night, cooked, where no one's catching up, and there's no you know community engagement then with anyone after that. Yeah, and I guess um, so. I mean, in the in the majority of the pack, not many, too many surprises. Um, we're not allowing allies. Uh, you know, the new book says not recommended, but obviously up to tos. And Twilight Kinar being allowed um, with the with the Night Stalker changes, and and I don't think that's overly controversial. Um, no. And but we are using withdrawal with the negative one ticket. Do you guys sit on the on the withdrawal thing? I I don't I don't really care either way. Like it, it, I'm happy if everyone says it's a rule and, and it's something that's universal across the um, community, then I'm happy with it. And or if it's not, I'm also happy with it. It's just and I've had it twice now um, in games where like halfway through turn one, someone's like, "Are we doing withdrawal?" It's like, yes, mm. yes, we are. Okay, cool, righto. You know, like if, if I didn't have to have that discussion and everyone knew what we're up mm. for, I'd, I'd probably be a bit happier. Yeah. But I think... Yeah, I'm going to take that same. I, I think the community is going to work that out at some point. Like if, if all the tournament scene says withdraw is a thing, um, then I think it will probably just be the unwritten rule in Australia until it's not and then we move on. Yep. Yeah, I think I think the, I think part of the problem is it's, it's probably fractured along country lines you know so i think within within it's not going to be that big a deal I, I envisage most australian tournaments keeping it um i envisage that most u.s tournaments are giving it but it looks like the uk are leaning towards not so which means for mantic at some point they'll probably have to decide yeah you know, which is probably the intention but um yeah I'm kind of well it gives everyone it. enough time to understand it though and i must admit mm. i don't think i fully did but now i do um, I still stuffed up cover the other day, though. So, yeah, I'm learning that one. 
<laughs> it is it is a caution point though, right? You just don't want too many variations of optional rules to come into a rule set or else you're gonna be everyone's gonna be Dave. Like what yeah, what yeah. is actually happening? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well and it does from a TO perspective, it does make it more difficult. You know, you're like, all right, out of all out of these optional things, you know, have I made sure that I've covered them all in my pack? So you don't yeah. get you know, that person on the day saying, are we doing this? And then having to make the decision, you know, it just means that, you know, you already have to be prepared as a TO, but that everything else extra that you need to provide is just another little thing that's bothersome. Yeah. I'm happy that they've that they've made the call and we're not doing allies. I just, thematically for me, I'm happy that allies don't exist in, in general. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> For Australians, though, like we very, very rarely would be taking allies anyway. Mm. Um, I think if we have a look back at Clash of Kings last year um, or this year, however you want to look at it, um, there was probably only like three or four lists that had it, right? Mm. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And then I guess the, the, the main thing that's different to last year is the introduction of some extra extra points. So. Across six games, uh, we're using blackjack, but you can actually accumulate 186 points. And basically, it's overall or nothing. So whoever accumulates the most points based on all of these will win. A couple of the bonus points are around, um, I guess, good play and ease type of things, encouraging people to do the right thing, like submit their, li submit their list on time, 10 points. Uh, having copies of your list for your opponent, 10 points. I I, it really, if I if I'm in a tournament and someone doesn't have a list for me, then I find that pretty frustrating. Yeah. And then we've got uh, ten points for having at least one. That's all they have to have: one Mantic miniature or something like terrain crate as part of uh, multi basing. I just it was encouragement to try and get people to look a little bit more at the Mantic range um, to see what they could, and you know I'm sure it'll have zero impact on buying, but. Um, <laughs> you know, just getting them to look towards Mantic a little bit. And then for the first time, we've actually got a painting rubric, not just a, is your army painted, yes or no. Um, what do you guys think of all those inclusions? I really love the Mantic one. So uh, I've said it for a long time, but we've got a lot of legacy armies that we're all using and we have used for quite some time. Um, but Everyone, everyone, I think that's been playing Kings of War should be looking to how can I possibly support the people that are producing this game mm -hmm. um, and are putting in the, not just the the dollars for it but are putting in a lot of time and a lot of effort back at Mantic HQ to produce a game and continue a game for us um, that they've, they've invited refugees into the game. So, yeah, definitely like that one. Yeah, I think that's my favourite rule as well. Um mm -hmm. And again, like I said, the same same thing. I think it's it's not hard to support in some way, shape, or form. So it's a good addition. I actually haven't looked at the painting rubric whatsoever yet, so I better do that just to make sure. Mm. Well, look, the, the intent of it. So there's, I think it was five five different domains, and each is six, and you either meet it or you don't, right? So it's six points for each. Each of these things, um, whether it's the paint or the tournament points or the thing were designed to be you know significant enough that it does have an impact on where you would sit at the end um if you didn't do them but the intent of the um of the painting painting rubric was that it shouldn't really be hard for anyone to achieve 30 points and it's to discourage these you know heavily proxied or you know heavily spaced out five miniatures on a base armies to to actually improve the spectacle of kings because i i don't think like when we were at camcon I, well sorry it wasn't camcon no, what was it it was the one in, they used to have in newcastle i can't remember but like there, there was a time when kings when some of the alternative stuff was a laughing stock compared to you know the guys playing um ninth age and i wouldn't say it is so much now but you know, most of it, I, I don't see why everyone there shouldn't be able to achieve 30 points. So do I need to do conversions? No. <laughs> no. I'll just I'll crack onto that. No. I'll do an art head swap on two of my halfling riflemen right now. Yeah, and like, for example, I haven't even asked for PMC, right? It's the old MMC. I went back and I pulled that table out and I, and I chucked it in there. Or like I've even said, or do they adequately fill the base? You know, it's just about 
So which still allows you to use proxied models if they're obvious. Um, but, you know, for those people that might want to use their giant Arachnorok as a, a legion of chariots or something, they still can because, sure, it, it fills the base. So I don't see why anyone wouldn't be able to meet it. I'm sure there'll be some people that don't, and it'll, but I think at that point it'll be mostly by choice. I don't think it'll be too controversial. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you guys pointing out the Mantic thing because I think, you know, you, you saw plenty of complaints online and, yep, you can argue about what price point, but pl pl plenty of complaints about the cost of the Mantic Companion. But, you know, the fact that they've been so open-armed with their miniatures is probably one of the reasons they have to charge. You know, the fact that we've got so many people that turn up with completely 3D-printed armies and, you know, all they all they might do is buy a book once every couple of years, you know, that a, a company needs guaranteed revenue and subscription models are what, you know, most companies do. I think I think it, it is I think it is probably one of the best ideas they've done to create a companion and hopefully keep improving it and charge for it on a subscription basis. Like I mean, in the in the in the scope of the hobby, it's not like a astronomical cost. What right? is it? Like, a couple of bucks. I'm just. I'm pretty sure a yearly subscription is like a hundred bucks or something. Like I, I, well, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think it'll be around that 100 or it could be less for Kings only because I think part of the thing that they did originally is the numbers you saw might have been for all-inclusive everything, um, mm. like all the games. So I think it'll be a bit less. And I think if you take into account you get the rules as a living rule book, so which means you probably don't buy a book every year. You know, having searchable rules is so good. I like it's it's just been uh, – I found it really good. Um the, the list builder is better overall than what Easy Army was. You know, I, I just think, I, I don't think it's astronomical, but I also think, you know, I, I think it's just a great business idea. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I mean, my, my two cents, here you go, hot take from Dave. If if that's your <laughs> deal breaker, you're probably in the wrong hobby. Like if, you know I mean, if that subscription is like, I'm out, then, mate, I'm sure you've spent that much in paints and minis or resin or anything over a year. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I love what 3D printing brings to our hobby too, and I think if Mantic embrace it better, then it'll bring even more. But but at the point that you're doing that, you're not buying from Mantic. So, um, you know, they do need to have ways of guaranteeing their income. That's right. I mean, it's less than a yearly Patreon subscription, that's for sure, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm certainly paying more in Patreons than I am for the companion app. Yeah. Right, and so I'm just thinking about anything else. I don't think there's anything else uh, really in the pack. So what we want to do is put a shout-out for people to get on board. We've currently got 58 signed up at last Ooh. last call. I think our biggest ever was low 60s. Can't remember. Uh, certainly the biggest yeah, I've run 62, was low 60s. I think. Yeah, I think, I think you're right there. Um, there's still a few people I'm expecting to sign up. What's, what's really interesting is that we've got a whole heap of new blood fair bit of old blood that for various reasons can't come like the last few years cancon well and clash have been timed at a similar time to chinese new year so um yep. there's been a few people that can't come for that reason i think hugh's having a baby isn't he selling yeah that's right yep, yep. having a baby yeah. um and, yeah andy's got what's andy andy whitehead who's been on your cast before has got something else on uh he is going i think he's going on his honeymoon oh I that's think. right yeah Terrible excuse, but anyway. Um, I'm cancel, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So there's, um, you know, there's a few people not coming, but we've got plenty of new blood, particularly from Sydney, where our Kings is getting a little bit of a resurgence, thanks to the club that Dave says he owns. Um, <laughs> uh, COD, which is Company of Dice, um, out in kind of southwestern Sydney there. So getting a few blokes from there. Yeah. Nick's been working hard in the um, Sutherland group as well, I think. To get Nick some. Legrand. Yeah, yeah, yep. he's, he's 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 working hard to to build the Sydney scene up as well. Yeah, have we so, got many Geelong people signing up, Kroger? Uh, not yet. I know. I think Kingsley, who's doing the new um, Kings of War Australia website for us, I think he might come along. But I know Richard, who owns the shop there. I think he he was one of the ones that was disappointed it wasn't on site because I think he's got a trade store there. So, yeah, I, I don't think so. But, I mean, honestly, I don't know all the names this year. So there's a few people I don't know where they're from. So we, we could have a few. What are you – do you know what you're bringing, Matt? 
Um, no, like, I mean, it doesn't really matter on that first game, does it? But um, <laughs> That's right, grudge uh, of the century between you two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Justice for Patch. I'm going to reclaim his honour and destroy Matt Selleck in front of everyone. Yeah, uh, good luck with that, champ. Mm. But, uh, no, nah, I'd probably take some undead, I think, this year. Yeah, look, uh, honestly, Selleck, my advice would be is if you turn up with 1,000 points versus Dave's two, you'll probably still be sweet. Uh, laugh away i'll be there you actually i have it and i have a present for you as well i've got a a custom t-shirt for you to wear on day one as well oh yeah well how about you actually back yourself and buy one for select too on the chance that you beat him and then well if you don't beat him you've wasted because i have to design it Maybe, maybe Selleck designed it. How uh, that's where that t- – I knew I recognised that target. If the T-shirt <laughs> said Matt is my bunny, then I would have been set either way. Nah, yeah. two, two different spellings, mate. Got a one T and yeah. a single T. A singular T, though. A oh, singular right, T, yeah. I'll just get a texture and add the additional one. That's why I'm doubly as good, double the Ts. Mm. There's no data to back that up. No, that is but, true. Yeah. So yeah, so okay. Last... Have you finished your undead selling? Yeah, like I mean, I can add some extra stuff in it, but mm-hmm. yeah, just, we'll see. Not going to. Well, like it's <laughs> going to get nerfed into oblivion again, so that's why he's moved on to dwarfs. So yeah, more boosts for dwarfs. Is that are, are you only are you only playing dwarfs in an attempt to get them nerfed into oblivion yep. as well? Yeah, dwarfs are the one true holy army. So yeah. We um we know that if anything's safe in Mantica, it's, it's dwarves. Just a matter of what flavour, you know, whether it's Golok or um or the free dwarves, you know. Who knows? Who knows? I'm excited for next year, you know, and what we might see with releases though. Yeah. Do you guys have a king's dream for next year? Yeah, I'm probably buying the Twilight Kin when they come out. So mm. yeah, that's probably happening. Mm. What about you, Matt? I'm just pretty excited about what um, Ronnie's been saying in in a couple of those chats and threads. So I think he's got a pretty good release schedule coming out. Yeah, well, I don't. um, Most people wouldn't have seen it because it was on Kings of War Australia, but um, I'll probably do an episode on it. I'm hoping next year to run an Australia-wide slow grow. And Ronnie chimed in and said that the ambush sets, which are at least three units, and so for a lot of armies, roughly 500 points. There's going to be half a dozen of them coming out in January. So uh, heard it here first. So for anyone that doesn't listen to this cast because they're not interested in Australian content, sucks to be you. Right? Okay. Because um, what did he yeah. say? He said halflings, ogres, goblins. Yep. Um, I'm going to just try and look rats. it up because I got, I got too distracted by where I told him I loved him and he said he loves me more. I want to say Ratkin was one of them. There was six in total, wasn't there? Yes, there was a total of six that they're going to bring out to ambush. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it. I mean, obviously we are trying to think hard, but I don't think you have to think because it is primarily, primarily the newer armies is what they were looking at. Although I don't think they listed night stalkers, did they? No, they didn't, and I thought that was odd too. But mm. um, yeah, because when I asked him if the uh, if the Twilight Kim was going to be out, um, he said that probably won't make the. That won't make the um, the cut for me doing the slow growth for the year. But oh, yeah. he said maybe worth we doing some nice orcas, yeah. Here we go. Ogres, goblins, forces of the abyss, halflings, empire of dust, and then I think we had Ratkin confirmed elsewhere. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the six. So I, I think that's a cracking way. I certainly think it's, a better, it's going to be better for them getting people into kings than Vanguard has been. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was actually thinking maybe maybe I do pick up one or two of them, so I've got the ambush sets at home made and built, and then when I get a mate over to the one friend I have in the world to come over and demo, I can get him <laughs> into the game as well. And then when he plays, I'll have to go and find another friend. Oh, look, and it's quite fun. I played two games of ambush last night, and if I hadn't been, you know, slowing myself down by stuffing my face full of cheesels and wine, then um, you know, if I. Two games of 750 points would be, you know, you take probably oh, 40 minutes if you're lucky each. It can be quite swingy. It's going to be interesting to see what pops up if um, if there's a few competitive tournaments that involve ambush because I think you could go the high unit count run and not dissimilar to 
how it scales, I guess, but it seems like the hammery stuff probably does a bit better at Ambush. Is inspiring um, more or less important? Because you really to get really in. have one or two hard, sets. Yeah, it's harder to get in because if you think about it, like, uh, I mean, I almost think two at sub a thousand points is a bit of a waste, you know, because I always went for two or three, uh, probably three at 2,000 points, usually not more unless the it had some other role. Um, so to go two at sub a thousand, it, it feels like, given that a lot of the time it's on characters, it feels like a bit of a waste for given there's so many scoring scenarios. So I found myself building, like I ran a base alia list and I used the Elohi as my only source of inspiring, I think. And in the half, and then in my halfling 750, I only had a mountain sergeant. Yeah. But yeah, it cost me. <laughs> not, not, it didn't cost me as hard as just leaving flanks wide open, but it still cost me. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, I walk into that after I work out how to play my regular army for halflings yeah yeah um so before we wind up anyone got any shout outs or anything that they they want to mention no not for me uh as long as everyone's getting into clash of kings it's really good to see those numbers going up again Kroger. Mm, yeah i agree hopefully uh keep bouncing up before the end i'd love to see us hit 70 that'd be awesome yeah that's it mm. jump in sign up and like i said i know there's a few people that are going to just come along and just play a casual game during the day and check out meet the scene and say good day to everyone so yeah come along and check it out yeah awesome well thanks for joining us guys and until next time keep counter charging thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on counter charge please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com on twitter at countercharge15 or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.